Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. will be the first pitch tonight as the Jays take on the Cleveland Guardians. It'll be Kevin Gossman on the yeah. mound for the Jays. Screaming blowout. Logan Allen. 2 nothing. <laughs> Logan Allen for the Guardians. Why do I have such a bad attitude today? You just, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm really. that I have a bad attitude. Well, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. And you came in with it. It's not yeah, I know. It's not one of those things where you can say that you're around me for an hour and I put it in a bit. You you came in. Yeah, I did. You you came in with a kind of a red mist. I don't have a <laughs> around your head. I don't yeah, have an did. answer. Did you have a tough drive in? No. No? Not really. Cement truck almost hit your car or something oh, like that again? It almost happened. Oh, you kidding. And then my wife got mad at me for it. Yeah. Because I yelled at him. No, I, I don't know. I are you upset that we didn't invite you to take part in our fantasy premier soccer league draft, which is happening tonight, in mm. which Andrew Holland has chickened out? No, I'm happy about that. I thought maybe you were upset. That no, I'm pretty excited about you not inviting me. Okay. <laughs> I'm with Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. Because I know how you are. You only want me in it to take my money. That, that's well, I'll all. tell you what. And, and poke fun at me. Based and on, that ain't happening. Based on, my, based on my level of success in the last four years, I'm the last. You got to watch Sid Sixero. He'll take your money. Yeah, yeah. Donovan Bennett, he'll take your money. Yeah, yeah. I won't take your money. Huh. Why do I they, am what you call. Why do they always win and you don't? I'm what you call a donator. Do you try? Yeah. That's, the problem is I try too much. I like change my lineup every day. Yeah, you were asking me, should I take this person last night when we were here? <laughs> Parker's giving me that look. Uh, what does You've he throw? you asked me some dumb questions. But that... keeper. Uh, so anyhow, 7-10 will be the first pitch tonight. Uh, a reminder, tomorrow is a 107 first pitch. Oh. Afternoon baseball. Getting a haircut tomorrow, too. Me, too. I am, too. I am, too. I need it bad. I need haircuts. So we're both great. getting haircuts. Yeah, yeah. How can you tell that we're killing time, hey? Boy, we <laughs> talked about haircuts and fantasy soccer. Next thing we're going to start talking about, about is that? Bundesliga picks. What? ERAs this season. On TV. Jays 375, Mariners 376, Rays 377, Cleveland 379. Top four ERAs in MLB this year. That is pretty, pretty good. Blue Jays pitching has been has been just it's been been stellar. I just you know looking back at at what Kikuchi did last night again. It's not a I understand it's not a great lineup. He's predictable uh, now. You know, is, as a matter of fact, the guy who got the big hit is Ramon Laureano, who was five for eighteen with a double off uh, off you say because he would have seen him in the uh, in the AL West when when Laureano was out. That's the difference. That is that is a that is a That's very the difference. Good, that is a That's very a, good point. Whether he's five for eighteen or not. Um, but yeah, you say Kikuchi just looked uh, really good. 
looked really good. It looks looks. I, I was watching him pitch last night, and I'm thinking, I wonder how many people will admit that they've gone from thinking, I can't believe I got to watch this dude for another year to thank God we've got this guy for another year. I'm I'm in that camp. Well, if he would have continued to to have the same mechanics he had last year, we'd still be saying that. Yeah. I just, I'm I'm looking forward if they if they do make the playoffs. I am looking forward to see what do they do with him? To seeing huh. how they how they yeah. how they use their starting pitching. It's a that's it's a great especially question. in the short series. I I think it's a fascinating Power plays question. in October. Who throws harder, Bassett or you say? That's the thing you got to ask yourself. And you know you you mentioned something. You mentioned something a month and a half ago, and you got a great memory. No, it was we were talking to. It might have been it might have been Ben Wagner, but we were talking about Kevin Gossman, and you made the point about the miles on that arm. Yeah. And I think it was we were discussing why why the extra day. Sorry, yeah, we were, it was about why yeah, it was Caleb Joseph because he's because he's caught him. But we were yeah. talking about why did it seem as if the extra day was so 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 important for Kevin Gossman, and and it was Caleb who made the point that. Um, He's pitched a lot of innings. Yes. <clears throat> he's got two pitches, too. Which and is, he's got, got two pitches. you got to have the extra gear. He, he has to have the extra little mile per hour to, to make people cheat to get to the velocity. That way they swing wildly at the split finger more times than not. If he's throwing 91, 92, 93, you can let that travel because they don't see 90. That's like 88 now. Like, they, they can let that travel, and that's why you see more takes. When it's 95, 96, and occasional 98, 99, you ain't letting that travel. You're cheating to hit that. Why don't we uh, do our trivia question while we uh, Great idea, wait, Jeff. Cito. Great you idea. You like that? Yeah, yeah. Would you have thought of that on your own if I wasn't in here? No, I would have done it the first hour. That's, why, why would you do that? You want people to hang into the second hour. You do? Well, they're going to hang in to talk to us. Listen to us. We are giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio. Or on our podcast. And again, if you do listen to the podcast, please leave a five-star review and some lovely words for Kevin. It means so, so much to him and his self-esteem. He does sleep better at night. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 590-590. Could not be any simpler. Our last trivia question and answer was, this Cubs Hall of Famer played basketball for the Harlem Globetrotters during the offseason. Name him. I answered this in like less than a millisecond. The answer was Fergie Jenkins. Today's question is to win tickets, and you guys didn't have a prayer getting that. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Cubs down at the Rogers Center on August 12th. And this one, I I admit I would not have gotten. Which Cubs pitcher was called for the first regular season pitch clock violation in MLB history earlier this year? Again, which Cubs pitcher was called for the first regular season pitch clock violation in MLB history earlier this year? You can text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Uh, let's go to Cito Gaston, Blue Jays manager from 89 to 97, 2008 and 2010, and uh, two-time World Series champion. Cito, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, welcome to the show. We, we trust that you're doing well. Um, as, as we mentioned a little earlier, Jose Bautista is going on to the level of excellence, uh, at the Rogers center. 
And when we had a chance to talk to Jose yesterday, Cito, and we asked him about coming to Toronto and, and who, who helped turn his career around, he very quickly said both you and Dwayne Murphy. So from your point of view, tell us a little bit about what you saw and how you and Murph helped Jose Batista. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Always well, my friend. Always. Good. Uh, well, you know, I think the first my first day back with the Blue Jays, we were playing in, in Pittsburgh, and Doc is pitching, and Jose hit a home run off of Doc, uh, which got my attention right away uh, because it wasn't easy to do that, but then we got Jose. Jose's one of those kind of guys that's he wants to play hard. He's a hard player, hard worker, and we just noticed that. I just noticed he wouldn't get his front foot down in time. He's a little bit late on fastballs, and uh, we worked on that real hard. But Jose's one of those guys that uh, he works hard. He's willing to listen, and uh, he's willing to change. And he's very coachable. And I think he did it all himself by willing, being willing to listen to myself and willing to listen to Gene Tennis along with Murph. And, uh, you know, Jose has a lot of talent. I mean, the guy can run. He can he's got a great arm. He can play third base if you need him to. And uh, he's a good teammate. Cito, when you, when you are talking to, um, you know, to, to a player who, I mean, look, Jose had bounced around. Um, even he says, you know, he was, kind, he was trying to find himself. Do you have to approach a guy like that a little differently than someone who, you know, let's say has joined the team in a trade and is and is an established is is an established major leaguer, right? Somebody with a track record. Do you have to deal differently with a an an older player who's trying to get where a lot of these other guys already are? Well, you know what, you give some time first. Uh, yeah, you you do a little differently because. Uh, uh, first of all, you don't want to lose him as far as him maybe wanting to listen to you or believe in you a little bit. Uh, so, you know, you give him some time, see what he's going to see, what he's doing. And, and uh, then you, then you might approach him and uh, see if you can get him to change a few things. You know, it's hard for guys to change because, you know, even when most of these kids are guys, when they sign where they came from, they're the superstar. They played against, they're always the star on their team. But when you mix them all together, you, they thin out because you, you, you're playing with all good players now. And so that's why some guys go on, some guys don't go because they're not willing to change because what they did back in, back when they were playing, wherever they were playing, uh, they were the best. And uh, when you get to the major leagues, you have to make some adjustments. And Jose was willing to do that, willing to listen. And, you know, I, I just appreciate Jose, the way he played for me, and how hard he played for me. I really appreciate him. And uh, so happy about what's going on this weekend for Jose. That's just, just awesome. Uh, see, and I'm happy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just happy for him. Absolutely. I, I was just wondering, whenever you said about him not getting his foot down, his front foot down, uh, that's very intriguing because that is, you know, whenever you walk up to a player and say that, that could mean a lot of different things. Like, you know, I'm not starting on time. I'm, I, I have too big of moves. Like I'm, you know, my strides too long. Is there, was there one specific thing that you noticed with him that you said to him, if you just do this to get it down a little sooner because you have bat speed and, and bat to ball skills, everything else will take care of itself. Well, you hit it with the first one you said is that most time guys are not on time. 
And you know, you got to start a little bit sooner. I have this approach that day when he when he when he stirs the wine up, you get yourself ready if you're sitting on fastballs. And you know, fastballs uh, you can be late, and that's what Jose he was a little bit late on fastballs. So when I say get that front foot down, as you mentioned, you're talking about guys being late. And I see some guys nowadays watching, they're a little bit late. There's nothing else wrong with them. It's just a little bit late starting. You know, if you see a pitcher and he gets, his, he gets that hand out in front and you haven't started to move at all, you're going to be late. You are definitely going to be late on a fastball. Okay, you set me up perfect for this. We, we've been talking a lot about the elevated fastball, and that seems the last couple of years to be a theme. And, you know, we were talking about this before you came on, that the MLB average on elevated fastballs is 226. The Blue Jays this year on the elevated fastball are hitting 213. That's 25th in baseball. Now, if I just told you that stat without watching the lineup and that needed to, I guess, to be adjusted. I'm not saying corrected because pitchers now throw it there because it's very hard to hit, right? You have to be on time like you mentioned. You have to have a flat bat path. Like, you got to do a lot of things right. Is there, uh, is there, is that an easy fix you think, <clears throat> excuse me, in season to make sort of an adjustment to that part of it? Or is it just easier to say, before you get to two strikes, you know you're going to get that with two strikes. Do something before you get to two strikes. Is it easier to say that? that that's one of the ways to do it is don't let them get to that point. With yeah. You. you know, be ready to hit. Be ready to hit. I, I know when I first came back in this organization, we had a little rule of a, in this organization to take a strike. Everybody can't hit with a strike on them. So be ready to hit when you go in there. You, I see guys take a fastball right down the middle, play swing, and a breaking ball in the dirt. That's not being ready. And to me, as you said, I'll tell you what, most people in, in the big leagues can't hit a high fastball, just can't hit it. Mm-mm. You know, it's just a pitch that the guys don't hit. What happens is, is eye level, it looks good, looks like you can catch up with it, but you can't. Then I had a lot of guys saying, get on top of that pitch. I had a roommate named Nate Covert, who's a good high ball fastball hitter. He used to tell me, roommate, I see it up there, I'll leave it up there. And that means he drove it back up. And he didn't try to get, people said, get it on time. The only guy I've seen, and he was up, cut swinging from the from the right side. Was Robin Young? He could hit a high fastball. He was he was rising as he was swinging. And most people can't do that. That's just a talent that he had. Most guys don't have it. But guys can hit a fastball up and away a little bit easier. You get one, and one in the middle of the plate is tough to hit. But the one inside is really tough to hit. It's just the next tough pitch. That's toughest pitch to hit to me is a changeup because it looks just like a fastball, and you can't distinguish for them unless you're sitting on it. And that's one thing about Jose. He got he got he got to learn about. We talked about sitting on pitches and uh, looking for breaking balls and sitting on it. And you know, I, I always go back to say I had a guy hit his 500 home run against me, and that, that was a rock and he had a 600 home run against me. But I've seen a lot of days he take a three-two fastball right down the middle of the plate and go sit down. That's because he wasn't sitting on it. And this is one of the only jobs or games you can play that you can be. Wrong seven out of ten times to be a multi-millionaire. Yeah, now so you so, have to have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jose's a run producer, and and this is sort of my next question. And you're you're just you're all over the questions I want to ask you because we talk about the Blue Jays this year a lot and their woes offensively, and one of them is the elevated fastball, and the other one is runners in scoring position, and. I'm personally, because I used to try and do this, I played first, I was left-handed, I used to try and run, produce, drive in runs. Now, it was more at the minor league level than it is at the big league level. But my question to you is, because you've been around those, and Jose was one, can you produce or develop a run producer in season? 
Well, you can, you know, you, it's hard to do that, but you can if you got the right people. You know, there's certain guys I could talk to during the game and uh, change change what, the, what was going on during the game with them and and tell them what the pitcher's trying to do to them. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Hill, um, sorry, um, I had guys that I could do talk to during the game or it's guys you can't talk to in the game. So you talk to them the next day and try to work on that. But I, I don't think it's too late to learn during the season. You you got to make some changes. I mean, if they're not going right, you just can't go through the whole season uh, going up there thinking. I, I think the biggest thing is the guys don't have an idea what they want to do when they walk up there. They don't. They just they're swinging a breaking ball in the dirt, which I'm pretty sure they weren't looking for that. Or they'll take a fastball down the middle, like I said before, and swing a breaking ball in the dirt. And then, like you said, they'll swing a high fastball when they get two strikes. And you know what? It looks like you can hit that pitch, but that's a really tough pitch. I would, I would almost uh, say a really high amount of guys can't hit that pitch in the big leagues. I'd even go by 90% of them. They just can't touch that ball. And most of them that can get to it, they'll pop it up anyway. Uh, was that always the case? Yeah, I, I mean, I play with a guy, and no one ever knows guy, Al Ferrara. He's a low-ball hitter. I played with him for about four years. And never, I seen him swing at one high pitch hmm. and because he knew you know he couldn't hit that ball, and there's not too many guys that disciplined that they can do that. But uh, because it looks so good, you you've seen high pitches. You were you a good high ball hitter? Or low ball? You're probably low ball. Yeah, hitter, I was. Right? Le- I was left handed. I had a natural uppercut. No, I w- I would have had nightmares about the elevated <laughs> fastball. I'm with you. It's sort of that ball that's so close to your eyes that I would have been attacking because I was. I had to be the guy that looked always fastball right down the middle, and then when I got to two right. strikes, it was choke up and throw barrel to ball. It was real simple. I had to simplify it. I wasn't an overthinker because I couldn't. But I think it's like you say. It's just they they overthink it so much. And I just wonder why that is. It's like there's so much high velocity. If you're not looking for that high velocity, you're probably not going to be consistently good at hitting it. And I just wonder why they don't always look for it. It's just confusing to me sometimes. I don't know. I I know if you walk to that plate, unless sometimes you get – five breaking balls in a row, but most of the time you're going to get a fastball to hit. And if that's what you can, there's no sense in sitting on pitches you can't hit. If you, know, if you can't hit a breaking ball, be ready for that fastball. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a pitch that you should have, you should be able to hit if you're going to play in the big legs. You have to hit a fastball. And, you know, you have to look in your zone for it. That guy, he, you know, everybody can't pinpoint that pitch, you know, if you want it up and away. Or, you know, I like, to, I like for people to start with the, looking fastball in. And, you know, that ball can travel a little bit, but on the outside part of the plate, you can still get to it. But if you let that ball travel a little bit, a little, travel deep on you on the inside of the plate, you're going to be buying some new bats or someone looking for a new bat. Uh, but so uh, it, it's just having an idea when you walk to the plate. I mean, Jose, uh, you know, Jose breaking ball, you know, you know he's got to hit a breaking ball, he sits on it. And you got to let that – I always teach it, let it come out of his hand before you move. Just stay still, let it come out of his hand. And you know what? Kevin, it, that's one of the easiest pitches to hit in the game because you have more time to hit that pitch than you do a fastball. You got to be, be get ready in a hurry to hit a fastball. And if you sit on a fastball, you throw you a changeup. You're ready for that pitch too. Uh, see the last question before we let you run. I I uh, did want to bring it back to to Jose Bautista. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to uh, you know list the great players you managed, the great hitters you saw, but. Um, when you do think of the guys that you have managed in games, how would you, um, you know, would, would Jose be at, in, in terms of being a hitter, would he be at the top? Would he be 
just at a very good level, how would you, where would you place him? He'd be right there at the top for me. I mean, Jose's hit over, hit over 300 home runs. Yeah. And, you know, he got started late, late in his career because I think he's already been at big leagues, what, six years before he came over here, I believe, something like that. So he got started a little bit late, but, yeah, he's right at the top for me. Uh, and, and clutch situations. And uh, he he's just a great player, man. Uh, like I said, he could play third base for you, too, if he wanted to. And, and a good outfielder, great arm. Uh, but, yeah, I would put him at the top of all the guys I've had around here. Cito, really good of you to join us. Thanks so much, my friend. Be well. It's great stuff. Thank you. Okay. Take, Take care. care. Always good to Bye. talk to Cito Gaston. Oh. Um, two-time World Series champion uh, manager. <clears throat> at some point, Cito Gaston's got to be put into the Hall of Fame by you would one think of those so. committees. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, I just I could have... I'll just let you two guys let you two guys talk about it. It, it was, it, it 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 it's interesting hearing. See, this is what the thing. You can understand why Cito was such a good hitting coach. Oh, no question, because of the way he just very succinctly and simply, essentially talks to you about maximizing what your strengths are. And yeah. the thing I love about Cito and, 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 a, and a lot of guys who were coaches of that era, one of the things is don't waste stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like you do have three, you have three, three strikes Absolutely. for a reason. Yep. Don't waste your at-bats. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I'd forgotten that was a mantra with those teams. Take the first pitch. Yeah. We're all going to take the yeah, first Yeah, you can't pitch. do that anymore. No, you can't. <laughs> they throw too hard, and they, there's no fastball counts. Like, you can't you can't do that anymore. I, Did I, you ever play for a team, an organization or whatever, that had a philosophy where they say, Kevin Barker, you and John Smith and Jeff Jenkins and whoever else is on this team, we are taking the first pitch. Yeah, pronating. Pronating was the Brewers' big thing when you were a hitter. Is Could re- you explain that? Re- release the top hand, pronate towards your target. Pronate means basically like you're throwing a changeup if you're a pitcher. You want to you want to throw the thumb at the ground. Basically, when you take your swing, you want to pronate your top hand. Basically, what they were saying to the lower levels is they wanted length to your swing. That would make that would mean you're on time, and that would give you a chance to get hits. Basically, you're not always going to square up and hit the ball in the sweet spot. Sweet spot in a wooden bat is very very small. Mm-hmm. It's very small. The the chances of you consistently all the time hitting that little spot is not great. So what they wanted to do is add length to your swing by pronating. Now, a lot of the pronating depends on how you get started and the thing back, right? It was the rubber band effect. You didn't want to get too much back because if you did, you were swinging uphill and pronating uphill will add more of a loop in your swing and you would miss the baseball and that's not what you wanted. So it was about a lot of rhythm and timing and not having wasted movement. That was the big Milwaukee Brewer thing. I wish I'd have never done that. <laughs> and it was not it sounds different. off. It sounds, it, 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 I'm having a difficult time seeing that as a one-size-fits-all thing. Yeah. They you tr- know? Yeah, it's like the minor leagues whenever they try to make you wear your pants up. <laughs> you one made that point. Yeah, I don't yeah. like it. I don't like it. The, the Reds tried to make you do that in the minor leagues, which they did make you. You know, there was no facial hair and, a, and, a, and pants up. I hated it. Like, it's just I was uncomfortable. That old saying, you play, you look good, you play good. Yeah. 
You can't look good with your pants up. I'm a big dude. Like, I don't like it. I didn't like it. And I was more worried about rolling my pants up. Yeah, the minor leagues half the time, the pants didn't fit. They were either way too long or way too short. So you'd have the Bo Bichette football pants, or you'd have the one so rolled up and balled up that was uncomfortable around your knee. And you were more worried about that than you were worried about C-ball, hit-ball. So, yeah, I hated that, too. I was in a bad mood all the time just because of the pants. (laughs) You know? to see that. So, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a pronating with the Brewers, and then it was the pants with the Reds. Like everybody tries to do their little thing in their organizations. What's been harder? Guess, whatever. What's been harder? Two hours of uh, working with me or playing in the Reds minor league system where you had to roll your pants. I up? love the Reds organization, so you know. Okay. And I like this. I like when we have guests on that no hitting. Yeah. See how simple that was. Yeah. Get your foot down on time. See it out of the dude's hand. Because you have talent, because you're in the big leagues, everything else will take care of itself. Yep. It's genius, Jeff. David Sampson is host of Nothing Personal, the podcast. David Sampson will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. First pitch on Sportsnet 590 fan across the Sportsnet television network as the Jays take on the Cleveland Guardians. Logan Allen against Kevin Gossman as uh, the Jays attempt to rebound from a one nothing loss uh, last night. They have seen an awful lot of, well, I was going to say an awful lot of good pitching, two nights worth of good pitching anyhow mm-hmm. from the Guardians. The Jays lineup, as uh, we reported a little earlier, uh, is uh, probably no 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 great surprise, uh, and I just lost it. There it is. Come back to me, Blue Jays lineup. Uh, Whit Merrifield, Kevin Gossman, as I mentioned, is on the mound. Whit Merrifield is leading off. Uh, George Springer's hitting second. Hmm. Vladdy's in the number three spot. Matt Chapman is clean up. Danny Jansen moves up to the fifth spot. Davis Schneider, the babe, the babe is hitting sixth. Alejandro Kirk, the captain, is hitting seventh. He is catching. Paul DeYoung, the hitless one, is hitting eighth. I don't know. Dalton Varsho is uh, hitting ninth and will be patrolling center field. What is field. the matter with you? Well, they call, they, what is the they, matter they call with you? Alejandro Kirk the captain, uh, don't they? Who does? Captain Kirk, like the... the That's not what you meant, the, though. Star Trek, yeah, no, like Star Trek. That's what they call him, Captain Kirk. Have you never heard of Captain Kirk on Star Trek? I have. <laughs> maybe I, maybe I don't pay attention to them calling Kirk, Kirk that. <laughs> Sorry, I, mean, I, I don't. Maybe not. Robbie Robertson passed away today, <laughs> and he had not heard of the band 
It was it was like that. It was like a running joke. Which band? The band. I know the band. What name is the band? No, the name of the band was the band. I Leave mean, it to that's you what it was like. Throw me. It is amazing how you throw me out of the bus like well, you do. You deserve it. After, I do. I after last night saying, "Whoa, when's the last time you've hit an elevated that's fastball?" A and I said, "Whoa, that's a great question." Anyhow, let's bring in David Sampson, host <laughs> of Nothing <laughs> Personal with David Sampson, former Marlins president. Uh, I guarantee you, David Sampson knows Robbie Robertson and the band. What band? That's a the band. What's the name of the band? No, the name of the band. It's like who's on third oh, and what's on first or Seriously. whatever. You know, to do Abbott and Costello, you actually need two people. You can't play both parts. Oh, that's true. It Although sort of it host, ruins it. Yeah, it does ruin it. You're right. You're right. It, it, it does ruin it. Um, I had an English professor in high school, and looking back on it, I think that he actually had pot in his pipe. But he claims it may have been just tobacco. But we would spend time in class, and he would play music by the band. And that was my first introduction to the band. Great documentary, actually, about them. Uh, it is sad. I did not realize. Robbie Robertson is one of the guys that I wasn't sure whether he was alive or dead. And then you read that he passed away, and he said, oh, I got that one wrong. Yeah. That's happening to me more and more recently. Now, trust me, it happens more and more the older you get. Uh, the older you get as well. It, it, it doesn't come back. It doesn't come back any easier. Um, hey, you know, Kevin and I were kind of talking about this. We would, we were, you know, I've spent a lot of time looking at the playoff race and everything and talking about the playoff race. And then you look up and the Seattle Mariners, it kind of, yeah, had a kind of a yeah, trade deadline. Didn't really do. Well, really. well, they're 14 and four in their last 18. Yeah, that's what I'm something. saying. Well, I mean, I'm saying they didn't do they didn't do a great deal at the trade deadline. I mean, the biggest news, well, they did trade their closer, but the biggest news is who they didn't trade. Mm-hmm. And then David, all of a sudden, they can't, you know, they can't lose. And and I mean, Jerry Depoto, it's it's not the first time he's kind of gone against he he's gone against convention, conventional wisdom when it comes to to making moves or not making moves. But um, is 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 that fluke or or you know is do we have to admit sometimes that general managers actually do have a handle on what their team is all about? Well, I think all general managers have a better handle than most fans and most of us in the media because they're there every day and they see things that we don't see. We would actually spend so much time keeping track, and it sounds so petty, but when you're together in the ballpark for 14 hours or 18 hours a day, we would keep track of things that people would say or emails or complaints that we'd get or people in the media saying certain things, and we'd write it down and then write down what was real about that scenario and match it, and very often it did not match. But the Mariners are a great example of a team that preseason, many people, me included, had them going to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So this is not a surprise. I think people lose track how long an MLB season is. And over 162 games, you know what you used to call it. It's the great equalizer. You can't hide. And so if you're bad, even though you start well, Pirates, you're going to end up being where you are. Or if you're 14 games over like the Marlins, you'll end up being probably where you generally are, winning you know, 80 to 85 games, which would be a good year in theory um, for them or where they were predicted to be. So I think Seattle is in the position they're in. I don't mind trading the closer. Closers are uh, – Come playoff time, you're more apt to see your starters as closers than you are your closers as closers. And the people in your rotation end up in the pen. So I was not concerned. I didn't view that as a sale, so to speak. And you just hope your team gets hot. And post-deadline, all these teams have been so cold, the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, 
the Reds, but the Mariners and the Angels, by the way, the number one example, but the Mariners went the other way. So good for them, but it's still early. David, what does that do to culture in the in the clubhouse when you're trying to win 90 games? You got to figure, you know, if they're going to make the playoffs, you got to figure probably the Blue Jays are going to get in that 91, 92 range. Obviously, the Astros, Tampa Bay, and it's sort of that Seattle, New York, Boston hunting for the 90 win mark. And then culture, right? You trading your your closer. Any worry about that? Well, just look last year what happened with the Brewers. They right. traded Hater at the deadline last year, and they were either leading the division or in the wild card. They were in some playoff position. And after that, the Brewers clubhouse just did not react well, and the team ended up tanking. It's so important what you do after the deadline as the president or GM when you meet the team as a whole, which you do, and then talk to players individually. When there is some confusion about the direction of the team and there's still hope during a particular season – it's critical you communicate. So the Yankees are a good example. After their deadline where they brought in that White Sox middle reliever, Middleton, Brian Cashman's got to be speaking to his players to explain, here's why we did what we did and didn't do what we didn't do. We believe in you guys. And you say it publicly, you say it privately, and you hope that the team responds. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Mm. Uh, David, uh, I'm, I'm interested in your take on the Kevin Brown situation. Now, for those who don't know, Kevin Brown is an Orioles broadcaster. I think he's still an Orioles broadcaster. He was suspended by the team for, I mean, he, he basically read some stats off the Orioles' own game notes that were, I, I mean, it was you know, basically. Orioles are a good team. Yeah, I mean, that's what he said. Yeah, basically what yeah. he said. And, and it hasn't always been the case against the Rays. And uh, he was Get suspended for it. He, uh, he, he, yeah, <laughs> he, he was, he, he's been suspended for it. Now, and, and, you know, part of the thing here, look, um, uh, team owners who own a team, I mean, they, they are, they're fully within their right to, I think, anyhow, to control what broadcasters say. Um, I mean, that's just, a, I, I think that's just the reality of the situation. But how did you view this? And how do you think, how would you and Jeffrey have handled it? I handled this particular situation. Like, would you have taken offense to it at all? So I did a segment on this on nothing personal, I think yesterday. And I want to just sum it up to you in this way. The number of times that Jeffrey asked me to go into the broadcast booth and say something uh, is quite numerous. Mm -hmm. The number of times that I actually did it, way fewer. So I told him I did it, but I didn't always do it because I used myself as a check and balance along with PJ Loyello and our PR department as we figured to ourselves, was it egregious what the broadcasters said? And we had a governor. Owners don't have governors because they're very emotional and very thin-skinned. Every day at MLB, there's an owner calling about something that happens on MLB Network. They're annoyed that their team was fifth in line with highlights for the highlights. They're annoyed their team didn't get enough press. They're annoyed with what one of this talking heads said about their team. That, and they own it. So their view is, I own one-thirtieth of this network. I can't believe you're saying negative things about my team. So all of this is common. I thought with the Kevin Brown situation that there was another story. Okay. Because it was so innocuous that I thought Kevin Brown had done something else to merit his suspension. And once the PR got so bad... I fully expected the Orioles to leak what happened that caused him to be suspended. Not from them, but 
but it would be an unnamed source says that Kevin Brown did blank, that it had nothing to do with those comments that you're and the video that you're seeing on the internet. But there was no leak, which means the Orioles had no other reason to suspend them other than that innocuous video. And it's so absurd to me, it's beyond the pale. The, the interesting thing that we need to watch for is Friday night because more people are going to watch Masson than have ever watched Masson before because they're going to want to know how Kevin Brown responds. What does he say on his first game back, which will be Friday night? And I have a, a bet, a wait to see, that he won't even address it. I think he will just do and will be told to just do a regular broadcast. What do you think he will do? Uh, I'm with you. I, I'm, I, yeah. Th- yeah, I, I think he I, likes his job too much. I, I'm with you, and I also think that uh, you know the the support he got from a lot of other people in the industry, and the things that a lot of other people in the industry said. They it kind of it it freed him up to do that. You know what I mean? I it, agree with you. It, it freed him up to do that. I mean, personally, I, I I don't know Kevin that well. I have met him a couple times. I hope that's what he does because. I mean, I, I can't put it any other way. He's not going to take a victory lap, right? He can't. Oh, no, you he, can't. He still works for Masson. He can't say, thank you all so much for no. the love and support. I can't <laughs> believe what, what happened to me. I no. just don't think that's a smart thing to do. And as a president of a team, if I wouldn't hire a broadcaster who does that. Yeah. I want him to take the high road, and then he can basically write his ticket if it doesn't work out with Baltimore. But I was not surprised. The Angelos is historically, both Peter and his sons uh, are thin-skinned. And uh, that is a trait that is not great to have when you are in a position of leadership, uh, especially of a, of a sports team, because there are going to be negative things said. Uh, and, and I don't know the backstory because right. what Kevin Brown said, it was nothing. It, 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 it did come from the game notes, which, as you know, being in the industry – that's what we produce as a team mm-hmm. to give you in the media things to write about and say on the broadcast. Yeah. I, I also wonder, you know, thinking of, thinking of how you and Jeffrey worked with the, the Expos and Marlins, uh, you, you always start, you were kind of a filter because Jeffrey, you're both emotional, but Jeffrey's really emotional. I mean, Jeffrey's an owner. A lot of owners are emotional. You do kind of need that, that, that buffer, that filter, don't you? Somebody that can basically listen and go, okay, uh-huh, I'll take care of it and then decide whether or not it really needs take being taken care of because right. in the 10 minutes since you heard that, something else has come along and pissed the owner off, right? And I'm not the only one. You know, I'm just the only one who's willing to talk about it. But every team president, their job is to protect the owner often from himself. And sometimes you can and sometimes you can't, right? There's no protecting Daniel Snyder, right? Yeah. There, you cannot protect him. But the emotional owner who want and, and I couldn't protect Jeffrey from firing Joe Girardi in the middle in the middle of a game. There was nothing I could do. We had to rehire him after the game because there was a mutiny back in 06. But the point is there are things that happen that you have to swallow hard and and follow the owner because this is what the owner wants. He would call it owner's prerogative, which is a word that all thirty owners use in baseball and all owners use in every sport. Uh, called owner's prerogative, which means, hey, I'm the owner. You may not like this. You may not agree with it, but we're doing it. But sometimes you can win a battle, but you have to pick and choose. Uh, Everything you've seen from the Orioles on the field, do you think, say, playoffs, they had to face, I don't know, the Dodgers or the Braves? That's the two best teams in the National League. They got a chance of beating them? 
we've watched baseball series for, for decades. Anyone can win four out of seven. And that's the beautiful thing about the baseball playoffs. That's why you want to get in there. And once you're in there, you've got a chance to be hot and win a world series. Baltimore is a really good team. And people who are saying, oh, they're a year ahead of schedule or two years ahead of schedule. No, right now they're a good team, whether whatever their schedule was right now, they're good. But does it stop them from a go ahead grand slam that the Astros hit Kyle Tucker hit two days ago? No, that happens in baseball. So could the Orioles possibly get out of the American League? Yeah, they could. Do I think it's likely that they'll make it all the way to the World Series this year? I do not. But I do think that uh, them getting out of the first round and maybe even into the LCS is not impossible. Do you think nowadays, 2023, you have to have a true number one, a number one that can pitch game one and game seven? They don't have that, do they? They do not, but... What's interesting to me, last year, do you remember what, uh, oh, come on, guys, uh, Wheeler and Noah. Right. Remember them last year? Mm-hmm. They, yep. were, they were pitching like number ones. And Philadelphia rode it all the way close to the, to the tour ring, but they won the pennant. And now this year, they're pitching like threes. So is it possible that come October, you could have some starters that pitch like number ones and just get hot for that month? right? You only need to be hot for October. It's not impossible. So don't assume that it can't happen. It's just less likely with those who have never done it. Looking back to your, I understand the 2003 Marlins were different, a different team than the Orioles, but looking back to that world series winning team, is there, is there a time where a team kind of looks at itself and goes, Oh yeah, we could do this. You know, or is that just kind of like bad sort of sports writer sportscaster, uh, you know, pseudo-philosophy. And I'm thinking of it, could there be a time when the Orioles would just look around and go, eh, yeah, we got a chance. Yeah, our team was interesting, and, and I like the comparison, though, having Pudge as a veteran, and we had a bunch of veterans on that team to go with the kids like Cabrera and Willis. Right. But what was interesting is we would wait for other teams to make mistakes, and then we would take advantage almost every single time, whether it was an error, whether it was a, you know, a dropped ball by Moises Alou with Steve Bartman, you know, something that would happen where we would say, all right, now we're going to get three hits and we're going to win this game, but we're going to find a way to, to get to the other team's closer. We're just going to find a way to do it. And you start believing it, and then it builds on itself like an avalanche. But still, you need so many things to go right. You know, this is 20 years that we're celebrating of the 03 World Series and a play that nobody talks about. But in the first round against the Giants, who were the best team that year, mm-hmm. they won over 100 games and they had bonds, etc. There was an easy fly ball to right field. Jose Cruz, a gold glover, dropped it. Conine ends up only on first base because he wasn't running hard because it was a pop-up. He still ends up getting to second on a walk and scoring, and we win a game that we shouldn't have won on our way to winning that opening series, three games to one. If that doesn't happen, we don't get out of the first round, and and history is totally different. So, so many little things have to happen once you get to October that it makes it really hard to predict. David, really good of you to join us today, as always, my friend. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Have a great night. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. It's David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal, the podcast. former president of the Florida Marlins. Um, and yeah, that that's, you know, we always like to say that when you tell the story of a team that there's this aha moment. 
mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. a team realizes uh, realizes that it's good. You know, and, the, and one of the reasons I, I mentioned that is um, I, I really got the sense that for Baltimore, that series against Toronto may have been may have been one of those. You know, they um, they bullied they bullied the team that was supposed to win the division. I mean, let's face it, that's what they did the last time they were in here. Yeah. Then, of course, you've got the All Houston Astros coming to town. All year they've done it. Then, yep. of course, you got the Houston Astros coming to town. You, you saw what happened. You saw what happened last night. But that Marlins, that 2003 Marlins team was, um, I covered that postseason, and there was the, the, the Steve Bartman play. There was another play with Alex Gonzalez, a shortstop throwing a ball away. I mean, there were just, you just kind of, stuff just kept happening, and you'd go, Wow. <laughs> this might be this might be there. Josh Beckett was tremendous, um, and you just it kind of felt as when you covered that team in the playoffs. You thought, God, they just might they just might win this. Yeah, because everything and and David's point is interesting. I was thinking back when he's talking about that team. I do remember that they and and I don't I don't think anybody goes in the game and says, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to wait until they make a throwing error. Then we're going to then we're going to bury them. I don't think teams. I, obviously, they don't do that. But I do think there's some teams that if you do give them an opening. Momentum. Yeah. Yeah. I think your superstar has to be your superstar. It's like Bryce Harper. He basically, That's a great point. He basically carried the Phillies, right? It was the big hit after big hit Who's after big hit. Who's the dude that carries the Orioles that they do? Is Rushman or do you think Gunnar Henderson? Oh, I, I, that is a, I, uh, it's an unfair I don't question. Think they, I don't think they have an obvious guy. Santander? He, okay. he, he's not a the superstar, but me. the vet, you know, he's what? a big deal for me. It's a great point. Big, That's a, a big really hit, good point. Hitting a big three run homer because of where he hits in the lineup. Oh, too. Absolutely. That's like, I, that, that's, that's a, a good point. That's, that's a good, a good name for me. I just think that's, I don't know. The Baltimore, like the American league. I, I think you could throw three or four, five teams in a hat. You picked five of them. You picked one of the five. You could argue it. You pick any, like there's no like real, this is it. No. There's no, like, Texas got beat in the second round. You could buy it. Orioles got beat in the first round. Could you buy it? I could buy it because they're starting pitching. If the if the Blue Jays got beat in the second round, you could buy it. Yeah. If, if uh, you know, if the Mariners make the playoffs and get beat in the first round, you could buy it. Like, you could buy a lot of things, right? You could buy because of the Mariners pitching if they make a serious run at it. Yeah, like you could good, buy that too. So you could buy a bunch of things. I think it's a little bit more cut and dry in the National League. Yeah. I think it's real top heavy over there. But the American League, you could throw those five. You could throw those teams other than for me, the Twinkies. Ah, like I'm not in on that. No, they I just think, don't got it going. And the Central really never pushes anybody. Like no. you don't really have to go on a 13 and three run to win the that's, central, right? And that hurts that's a those really teams. Good point. It really does hurt those teams because when you get in the playoffs, what's it about? Consistently winning day after day yeah. after day and after that's, day, and it's hard to do that when you're not used to doing it. That's why quite often we see wild card teams go into the playoffs feeling pretty good about yeah, themselves because they have right? they've had to win to get ah, in. Absolutely. And if you're Minnesota, I mean, you can literally back in. And they don't have the horses either for me. That's another thing, right? You just got to – it's like my horses against yours. Yeah. A lot of the times that'll do it. Like, if I got the better bullpen, you know, normally got, I'll beat you probably most of the time. Not occasionally you won't, but most of the time I will. It's that kind of thing, right? And that's why you love the playoffs in baseball is it's – David's right. Like, it's – anybody can beat anybody. But a lot of the times is 
those teams that have been there before and done it, the teams that are harder to pitch to, the team that has the superstar, it's like the Dodgers. Yeah. Betts and Freeman, you want to face that in the first inning? No, I don't. Like, how do you get it out? That's the thing, right? And then it's sort of trick, trickle-down effect. And that's contagious. Just a, couple, those two guys. just a couple of minutes left before we hand it off to Ben Wagner uh, in Cleveland. Kevin Gossman on the mound tonight for the Blue Jays. What are your expectations from Kevin Gossman? What are you looking for? What do you, what do you want to see tonight? Because it's been a little rocky since the All-Star break for him. Yeah, against the lefties. Get the lefties out in velocity. He's got the velocity. He should be okay to give the lineup a chance to have the big inning. That's what it is. It's velocity with him. He's got the 95-plus. The split finger will be there. He can be occasionally non-competitive with it because of the velocity, and you have to cheat to hit that. If it's 91-92, go to the refrigerator more often. Don't pay attention to the game. Yeah, it's that. that's – and again, we're not – you know, there's no – Not red, saying that's going to happen. There's no red flags no, around no, Kevin not. Gossman. But, you know, the guy has a side injury, whatever the hell it was, after the, the all-star the game. Um, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Too. It's yeah, expectations. Exactly. And he understands, and the rotation understands. They don't score a ton of runs. It's tough to have a bad inning early. Yeah, I think by now he's got a, his, they've his figured it out, right? His pin has to be on par. It means when I'm running out, my 95, 96, 97 has got to be there. Like, I can't have a hiccup. If I do, because of the lineup, dare I say it? Yeah. Because yeah. I have been very negative today. You say it. They'll get beat. I'll say it. What? I'll say it. If if if, they, if he has a bad inning early, oh. it's tough. Coming back without Bo Bichette's not easy this, for this I, lineup. How's that? I, I will say against this team, you can probably have a bad inning. They lost one nothing yesterday. You can probably have a bad inning against against the Guardians. They lost one nothing yesterday. Hmm. Well, are you going to be more optimistic tomorrow? I'm going to try. You're going to be more optimistic on, on Blue today. Jays talk tonight? It depends on how it goes. Oh, I don't know if I really want to do Blue Jays talk with you tonight if they lose. Oh, I don't know. I'm usually very optimistic. Half full guy. I had to be that as a player. I like to carry it over here. And you have understand to understand how hard it is. And you have but to be half full when you work deep. with me, too. I'm done with the Cap giving a hall pass. Yeah. All right. Uh, Just a few minutes away from the first pitch at Progressive Field, the Cleveland Guardians and the Blue Jays, Kevin Gossman versus Logan Allen. Kevin and Jeff, we will be back following the game with Blue Jays talk. We will be on the air from 5 to 7 tomorrow as well. Enjoy the baseball and have a great night.